Chapter Eight of Yesterday Framed in Today by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: Who hath believed our report? David opened his lips to speak, but his mother interposed eagerly. Father, you couldn't have heard what David was telling me. He says that Reuben Payne is at home again and is perfectly well. Stuff and nonsense was the father's irritable response. Don't, Hannah, try to uphold your children in false and foolish notions that will ruin us all. We do not want to join the rabble who are making mountains out of molehills. Our family has ranked among the respectable for generations. I hope our branch will not disgrace the name. You all act as though something very new had happened. A love of the marvelous is born with some people, but I never supposed that my family were of that class. Have people never been known to have serious diseases, and to recover from them by natural processes? I myself have known cases so bad as to be mistaken for incurable disease, but time and nature cured them for all that. What I say is, that it is high time we had done with such folly as this. I will have no more of it in my house, and I want you all to understand it. I tell you, it is worse than can't, it is sheer blasphemy. I want you all to keep away from those people and their ideas. Look at the set that their so-called leader has gathered about him. Who are they? Ignorant fellows, who are discontented with their sphere in life, too lazy to work, and ready for the first excitement that offers. His own excitement seemed to increase with every word he said. He had raised his voice almost to a shout. David, noting this, had changed his mind, and determined on perfect silence. But Margaret, who had been drawn from the next room by the sound of her father's voice, seemed not able to resist the temptation to speech. Whether her motive had in it a touch of maliciousness, or whether she honestly believed that the reminder would serve to calm her father's indignation, David could not be sure. "'Why, father,' she said, "'you have forgotten Philip.' Didn't you hear him declare himself honored in being able to call that man his friend? He is respectable, certainly. He is in no sense remarkable, said Mr. Holman, his voice less loud, but his irritation in no wise decreased. And he lowered himself very much, in my opinion, by that silly speech of his the other night. He will find that his father will not uphold him in any such ideas. I feel sure of that." A young man who has his own way to make in the world, and who is in need of strong friends to help him, as Philip Nelson is, would appear much better if he did not try to take the lead in new notions. In any case, he ought at least to know enough to keep his half-fledged opinions to himself. However, I do not know that Philip Nelson and his opinions are of interest to us. I don't know why we should waste our time in discussing him." Margaret laughed and was about to reply, but a glance just then at David's face held her silent. To the surprise of all, it was the generally quiet, easily led mother who took up the word. It seems to me a very strange way to talk. Philip has been intimate with us ever since he was a child, and we have all liked him very much. I do not know why he should not be allowed to express his opinions. He is old enough to form opinions, certainly, and I am sure he has shown very good sense in doing so in the past. 
let him keep from expressing them in my house then interrupted her husband in his loud voice i want none of his opinions if they are as foolish and as harmful as those he advanced the other night i simply am not going to have my name mixed up with this folly and sin and any one who wishes to be reckoned as a child of mine has got to understand it his audience had increased again frances work in hand had seated herself on the doorstep and was keenly alive to every word that was being spoken but it was the look on david's face not hers that quickened the mother into speech again father you forget that david is not a little boy any more he has been sick for so long and we have been so used to thinking of and caring for him as helpless that we all forget that he is a man with rights of his own mr holman turned toward his wife in uncontrollable irritation hannah what is the matter with you we have lived together for more years than david's life and i never knew you before to consider it necessary to oppose every word i said at least if i were you i would try not to do it in the presence of the children if david were a hundred years old instead of thirty and was still a member of my family dependent on me for support i should think it incumbent upon him to respect my views and be guided by my wishes and unless he is a great deal less of a man than i take him to be he agrees with me thus appealed to david arose from the seat beside his mother laying down the spool and scissors but as he did so he gave her a wonderfully sweet and reassuring smile to his father he said gently i remember sir that you said you were very tired perhaps we have talked as long as we ought i see it is the hour for family worship at another time i should be glad if you would allow me to have a talk with you about this and other matters but i feel sure that i ought not to weary you further to-night in the meantime i will try not to fail in the respect and consideration due you he crossed the room as he spoke for the family bible and laid it on his father's knee then he gathered the sewing from his mother's hand and bent and kissed her flushed cheek as he did so the father subduing his strong excitement as best he could opened the bible at random and read the verse upon which his eyes first rested who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the lord revealed he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him very soon thereafter david and francis were alone in the little yard opening from the side door francis had slipped away first and david had followed as he often did when he wanted a word with her alone they were silent however for several minutes well said david at last as he laid a caressing hand on his sister's shoulder you see how it is it is becoming very plain is it not that some of us will have to face opposition of no uncommon order if only margaret could have been more considerate said frances why need she have mentioned philip's name when she saw what a state father was in it really seems at times as though margaret she abruptly checked herself leaving the sentence unfinished david regarded her thoughtfully how is it that margaret seems to have so little sympathy with you in this matter he asked or rather how is it that she has such a different impression 
Do you suppose it can be the influence of masters? I am afraid so. I think she has heard more from him than she cares to tell. She seems strangely prejudiced. In some respects she is almost more bitter than father. What can it be but his influence? She has been suspecting Philip, I think, for some time. She asked me if it was Philip's influence that made me so silent about the step you took. But of course she heard from his own lips the other night where he stands. I was thoughtless myself tonight, David said regretfully. I should not have started the conversation in that direction by my item of news. But it all seemed so wonderful and so blessed to me that I confess I forgot how it would appear to my father. Were you there, Francis, when I told about Reuben Payne's recovery? It was such a glorious thing to see him in his right mind, and in splendid physical condition. It seemed as though it was something over which we must all rejoice together. It is, said Francis quietly. I heard your words, David, though I had not yet come downstairs, and of course you could not help telling it. A stone would have spoken that had known poor Reuben's condition but a few days ago. Besides, we cannot go on in this way. We might as well be outspoken. Some definite step must be taken. Why not now as well as at any time? If we only knew just what is right. Her brother felt almost startled by her words. She seemed to have taken long strides in a single night. Was she possibly ahead of him? some definite step he repeated just what do you mean dear i hardly know nothing is clear to my own mind as yet only when a man is such a man as he is proving himself to be and has not only physical help to give but instruction and has a definite following and is willing to have must not one sooner or later declare for or against him and take the consequences David drew a long breath. You have gone rapidly, Francis, and as yet you have never even seen him. No, but Philip has, and I have not gone rapidly. On the contrary, I have been slow, so slow and cautious that at times I have been ashamed of myself. I have heard a great deal about him, David, and yet our timid little mother seems to have more courage to speak for him than I have but to me it is fraught with such consequences. Philip thinks— She made one of her abrupt pauses, like one who was indeed going too fast. David's hand that held her own tightened its clasp, as he asked, Is there an engagement, dear? No, only an understanding. I could not engage myself without my father's consent. And that, under present circumstances, he would not give— David said, with a heavy sigh. It is indeed growing complicated. David, what does the man ask or expect of those who call themselves his pupils or followers? I do not know. Some of them, as you know, follow him about wherever he goes. But he cannot expect that of all his friends. It would be impossible. Moreover, there is a large class following him now who cannot be called his friends, if sufficient motive offered, I think they would promptly become his enemies. But you are right about the definite step that must soon be taken, or at least there must be definite knowledge on the part of those who would own him. Perhaps we are imagining it more difficult than it will be. 
we do not positively know that he desires anything but to help people all he can perhaps his is a beautiful unselfish perfect life hidden in god revealed to us suddenly that we may see what real companionship with god might do for us it may be that god has given him certain miraculous powers in order that his work may help us all to have full confidence in his word such men used to be francis why not again like one of the old prophets said francis yes i have thought of that but of course i do not know anything about it but there are times when i cannot help thinking or rather feeling that he is much more than that how could he be more than that my dear sister but Frances had no more words to say. She persisted that she knew nothing, understood nothing, that mere feeling is not to be trusted in any case, and he was much better able to judge of these things than she was. For the present, she supposed there was nothing for them to do but wait and be as quiet as their sense of honor would allow. Meantime, David, she said eagerly, as one who was resolved upon an entire change of subject, tell me what you are going to do about yourself i mean you are not satisfied to work in the fields are you to give your life to such work with your education and talent no he said that he supposed would hardly be right even though he might desire it there were times when he shrank from the thought of the world and felt as though the open fields working among god's gifts to man would be of all labor the most desirable but his education had been too expensive to be used in that way, and besides, there were times when he longed to be out among men, exerting an influence that would reach crowds. He was going into town soon, as soon indeed as he had positively settled certain matters connected with the talk they had been having. Probably he should take up his studies where he had left them, and carry out his first intentions of becoming a lawyer. He was late, it was true, and had lost a great deal of time, but he did not feel that it was all wasted. He had done better work, some of the time, lying on his back, than he had ever succeeded in doing when in health. Then he broke off suddenly from these slow, detached sentences which his sister could feel were taking only half his thought, and began to speak rapidly. "'I will tell you the whole truth, Francis.' I mean to see and have a long talk with this stranger who has come so suddenly and powerfully into my life, before I decide anything. I have a strange drawing towards him. It is not remarkable either, when I realize what he has done for me. Of course it is the most natural thing in the world, even my father realizes it. But I mean much more than these words convey. I have, besides, a feeling of awe in connection with him such as men never inspire in me despite what i have just been saying to you i believe in my soul that he has come among us for more than a mere object lesson of purity and unselfishness my father would call it a superstition but the belief that this man has something further to do with my life that it is indeed linked in some strange way to his life grows upon me if it is superstition began francis eagerly it is shared by those who have seen much of him. Philip feels it, and the feeling grows stronger every day. I can see that the influence, whatever it is, increases powerfully upon him. It is that which has made me think that possibly— 
she broke off nervously, catching her breath as one who felt almost afraid. "'I wish you would tell me plainly just what you think, dear, and not lead me to grope blindly along the road where your swifter intuitions have carried you.' "'Oh, David, I dare not. There are times when my half-frightened thoughts seem to me rank blasphemy. I could not put them into words. I have no reasons for them which would justify my speaking.' remember i have never seen the man how much i wish that i could ah i cannot tell you how much i wish just that if it were not for this bitter prejudice we could invite him to our home and talk with him freely until we understood sometimes the thought overwhelms me that the man who gave me back to life is a stranger to my father and mother and remains so by their at least by father's choice poor father said francis he cannot help his prejudices they are a part of his life if mr masters had not poured out his intolerable platitudes for father to lean on it might have been different i am afraid of that man and of his influence in our family and over margaret most of all oh david cannot we save her from him in some way i am sure he is bad poor little burden-bearer said david tenderly passing his strong arm about her she needs someone to carry her burdens for her it all comes back to the one theme dear i wish you knew him you must know him End of chapter eight